0: When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here. Welcome every episode, yeah. oh, the podcast of Swimming America, the Airtour Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, July 1st, 2021, people. And we have not only a great episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, as I forgot the name of my own podcast, we have a historic day in college sports. And it's funny, right? We we use terms like historic and all time and this and that. We use terms like that all the time. But Thursday, July 1st, 2021 really is a historic day because it is the first time that athletes will legally above board be able to capitalize off of their name, image, likeness legally by NCA rules, have endorsement deals. It could be everything from uh, a, a, a signing at a local bar, to t-shirts made up with your name, to maybe on the most extreme cases, uh, you know, a national endorsement deal with a Gatorade or Reebok or Nike or whatever. So it's a historic day. What I want to do, what's amazing about it is nobody really knows what's going on because the NCA basically backed off on putting in any uniform rules. So what I want to do is just talk about the big picture of it, and then I want to talk about the five biggest questions that I have about the looming name-image-likeness era From there, we will take a quick break, or maybe not even a quick break. We will talk a little bit about the Penny Hardaway news as he is officially coming back to college basketball. We talked about it on last show, and I'll just tell you what it means. Larry Brown coming to Memphis with him. Kind of a crazy story there. And then finally, we'll wrap just a couple notes on the Jalen Duran visit to Kentucky, the number one high school player in America. I don't know that there's a ton of new information, but I'll kind of tell you what I know, why it's important, all that good stuff. From there, my buddy Nick Coffey, if, you've, if you're a long-time listener to the show, Nick Coffey is a radio host in Louisville, uh, joins me about once a month, twice a month, just to break down the biggest stories because he works in one of the biggest college markets in America, Louisville, of course, you know, right in the heart of the Kentucky-Louisville rivalry, Indiana-Purdue, all that right around the corner. Brought him on to talk about name, image, likeness, and some other stuff. Nick Coffey will join me on the back end of the show. But with that said, people, there's no more time to waste because right now you are it's all about Torres as we get into the insanity that is name image likeness. And so as I said to lead the show, as I said, I don't know, 45 seconds ago, Thursday really is a historic day in all of college sports as for the first time after 100 plus years of amateurism. Athletes can benefit off of their name, image, likeness. And as I just said a minute ago, they will be able to make money while college athletes. It could be as small as printing up t shirts with your name on it, it could be, uh, you know, an autograph signing at a bar, it could be maybe a national endorsement, like I just mentioned. But the bottom line is this is a historic day. And as co- sport, college sports as we know it has changed forever. What makes this historic day especially interesting and why I'm actually, it doesn't feel like a lot of people are talking about it, and the reason that a lot of people I don't believe are really talking about name image likeness, like jumping two feet in, is because everybody is really confused, nobody knows exactly what is going to happen, and it's kind of a tough topic to navigate. And it's interesting because I was thinking about it before I came on today, and you think about the topics that, that are normally on a, a podcast like this or Sports Talk Radio, It's easy to digest tangible things, right? Who won and lost the game? Why did the coach get fired? Again, who's the better quarterback, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? These are easy things to wrap our heads around, but name image likeness is not at this particular moment an easy thing to wrap our heads around. And it's not only you as a fan. It's not only me as a reporter. I'm telling you, I've talked to people all over college athletics over the last two, two and a half, three weeks, and nobody knows exactly what to expect and what, Thursday really means and the reason why is simple it's because as my buddy Dan Lust the lawyer told you last week the NCAA has basically backed off of any type of oversight for name, image, and likeness. Why is that? It's because, again, Dan Lust, the lawyer, he was on following the Alston ruling, Alston versus the NCAA, in which which the Supreme Court, all the way up to the Supreme Court, basically said, look, NCAA, you cannot stop people. You cannot cap students on what they can earn. And in the case of the Alston versus the NCAA, it was things that were not related to sports, but related to academics. We're talking about jobs, internships, uh, Computers, things like that. But what Dan Lust told us, and which I thought was the biggest takeaway, was that it was going to have a trickle down effect to name image likeness. If the NCAA decided to put a cap on name image likeness, if they decided to say a college football player, a college basketball player is not allowed to earn more than $10,000 or $50,000 or $100,000, they were opening themselves up to more lawsuits. And so what the NCA basically did after they lost the Alston case in the Supreme Court, they basically just threw their hands up and said, we can't, we can't oversee this. And so every individual state, uh, every individual school, you're allowed to make your own rules. So in theory, the rules in Kentucky are different than the rules in Florida. In theory, the, 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 the rules in Ohio are different than the rules in California. But essentially what it boils down to is the NCAA has not had any type of national oversight into name image likeness. In the swoop of a wand, literally, They just wiped amateurism as we've known it for 100 years off the book. That is a huge mega story and nobody knows what it means. Again, I talk to college coaches all the time and they have no idea what it means. What's really interesting is what I just said. Because of the Supreme Court ruling, not only can the NCAA not stop kids from taking any type of endorsement deal or whatever, but on top of that, the coaches have to be hands off too. Nick Saban, John Calipari, Mick, he can't, they can't tell a guy, nope, sorry, can't do that. They they have to be hands-off, and it's basically up to the players. Now, the schools have hired, in many cases, third-party companies. There's a couple, I think one's called Open Doors, and there's a few others to help with the process, but again, Nick Saban can't step in and say, no, 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 son, you can't take that that deal. Uh, Same with Kirby Smart, same with Mick Cronin, same with John Calipari, Coach K, whoever. So name, image, likeness is here. Um, I'm sure you have already seen some. Obviously, as we record here late Wednesday, it's right before uh, midnight Eastern. But I will say that by the time you wake up and listen to this on Thursday, there may be official deals already in place. I saw on kind of the funny spectrum, uh, Jordan Bohannon, who is the whiny uh, point guard at Iowa that was complaining all last year about how awful the NCAA bubble was at the NCAA tournament. Well, good news for Iowa. They got knocked out in the second round. But all that guy's ever done is complain. He announced on Wednesday that come Thursday, he's having an autograph signing at a fireworks shop. So our first official name image likeness that is publicly available in terms of endorsement deals, Jordan Bohannon, if you live in Iowa City, go see him, buy some fireworks while you're there. July 4th is coming up. But with name image likeness here, Again, total game changer, historic day. And what I want to do is I really want to spend the next few minutes kind of just talking about what are the big, interesting storylines and topics to me as we enter this new era. Because for the last time, and we'll get to the five biggest questions, Nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody knows who's going to benefit, how much they're going to benefit. Is everybody going to benefit? Is it only going to be a small portion of people? How much money? So nobody knows. There's no plan in place. It is the wild, wild west. The NCAA isn't giving oversight, at least for now. So let's get into the five biggest questions as it pertains to the name, image, likeness era. The first one, the most interesting one, the one that I think we're all wondering is, how much money are we talking here? because uh, listen the way that it's structured the way the only rule that the NCA put in is that basically this isn't pay for play okay that in theory and I'm doing this in air quotes at some point this podcast will be available on video on YouTube but in theory uh, it's not pay for play which means that it's just not the the number one ranked quarterback in the country getting sealed envelopes with, with a bid or briefcases with money but instead y- you know it has to be some kind of real endorsement the kid has to be on campus. You can't be paying recruits to come to campus. Now we know it'll eventually evolve into something different, but for right now, that's not what it's supposed to be. So why do I bring that up? It is because everyone is genuinely curious, how high are these numbers going to get? I mean, I've talked to some coaches, some people that think it's really only going to be um, you know uh, with the exception of of just a handful of players, maybe a couple thousand dollars maybe ten thousand dollars maybe fifteen thousand dollars now i 've heard at the bigger schools with the bigger brands could a Kentucky basketball player earn a hundred thousand a hundred fifty thousand and then you have the opposite spectrum where I saw Jonathan Gavoni who covers the NBA draft for ESPN say he 's here and we 're going to get some crazy numbers for some of these elite elite high school basketball players to compete with the G league and compete with over. Time And all of a sudden, G League's offering a million dollars. Well, there's nothing that's really technically stopping Duke, Kentucky, Kansas from offering the same. And so obviously, look, it is all going to be entirely based on what the school is, how good the player is, what position they play, all of that kind of stuff. But again, it's such uncharted territory that I think we're all just waiting for that first number of, oh my goodness, Spencer Rattler, the quarterback at Oklahoma, got this much money to do this. Or DJ Ui Laganlale, my boy from Clemson, got this much money as the starting quarterback. Or um, Paolo Banquero, the, the best player at Duke for Duke basketball, got this to do that. So to me, that is the single most interesting question is what do the dollar amounts end up being? Are we talking about a couple thousand dollars for everybody other than the elite players? Are we talking about forty, fifty thousand dollars for the elite players? Are we talking about five hundred thousand dollars for the elite players? You hear different things, you see different things, but up until July 1st, we do not know what those numbers will be, and that is absolutely fascinating. The second question I'm genuinely curious about this will any big time athletes get national endorsements? and i bring it up because this is a fascinating topic that i don't think people fully kind of grasp and understand and all that stuff and let me explain why the you know as part of i don't know law i'm not going to try to explain how it works but even dan lust my buddy the lawyer has said this is you know part of it is these kid you can't wear your team's uniform Uh, In a commercial, I mean, and that applies to professional athletes as well. If you've ever seen LeBron James in in a Pepsi commercial or a Gatorade commercial or whatever he endorses, he cannot wear a Los Angeles Lakers jersey. Same with Anthony Davis, same with Damian Lillard, same with whomever. Why do I bring, uh, I keep saying, why do I bring it up? But I bring it up, you know why I'm bringing it up. I'm bringing it up to say, I am just absolutely fascinated by if these players, if companies, believe these players have enough value to become a national spokesperson. And so let's take a guy again like DJ Uilagonale. On the one hand, uh so I'm using him for as an example by the way, because of the fact that he actually tweeted out something tagging Delta, Delta the the, the airline company. He said something like, Nothing better than flying Delta, winky face, emoji, and, and it, it raised eyebrows as far as Does this kid already have a deal lined up with Delta? And maybe he does, and maybe we'll find out, and maybe by the time you listen to this, he does, and we get a dollar amount, and we know how much he's getting paid, and maybe we don't. But I'm just curious, do these players have enough value to these companies for, again, a Gatorade, a Delta, a... whoever, I'm just trying to think of national brands off the top of my head, McDonald's, Papa John's, Pizza Hut, whoever, to come in and ask these players to endorse their products. And what's especially interesting is, I think this year, there are not a lot of great examples of that. So let me let me, let me me say this. Like, think about somebody like DJ Uy Laganale. Now you hear that name and you're like, oh yeah, that was the backup at Clemson last year. He was pretty good, I remember him. But if you saw DJ Uy Laganale walking down the street, especially not in a Clemson jersey, would you know who he was? Because I am the diest of diehard college football fans. That's not even a term. I just made it up. But I love college football. And if DJ Uyla Gondale was walking down the street right now, I wouldn't know who he was. Now, it's different if, if it's a car dealership or a barbershop or a restaurant in Clemson. It's different if... Uh, you know, Bryce Young, who is the projected starting quarterback at Alabama, if someone in Tuscaloosa wants to do something with him. What I'm talking about is these national brands. Again, these players cannot wear uh, team apparel in any type of commercial. And so does a DJ Uyla Ganale, does a Spencer Rattler, does a Chet Holmgren, the Gonzaga basketball player, does Apollo Bancaro, do they have enough of a name brand where these national... Uh, um, you know, these national companies will be interested. I am absolutely fascinated. The third thing, I'm genuinely curious who gets the biggest deals here. And let me explain why, because first of all, we all know, size matters, baby, size matters. And we're all gonna be looking at numbers and who gets this and who gets that. And I, the assumption, of course, is, well, the best football players, the best basketball players are going to get the biggest deals. I've actually heard the opposite. And I thought it was really interesting. Mitch Barnhart, the the Kentucky athletic director, he did a press conference the other day. And he said, by the way, you know what? Um, The the athlete with the most social media followers on our campus is a track and field, female track and field star. And so he kind of just opened the Pandora's box of, does she have more value to the company than a basketball player? Does she have less because she's in a non-revenue sport? These are the things that I am absolutely fascinated by. One of the early conversations I had, somebody super plugged in said, you know who's going to make the most money off name image likeness? And I said, who? They said Olivia Dunn. I said, well, who who's, who's Olivia Dunn? And I'm sure a lot of you are driving around in the gym, in the car. Who is Olivia Dunn? Well, Olivia Dunn is a gymnast at LSU that has over a million Instagram followers as best I can tell, she has the biggest, at least Instagram, I can't speak for TikTok, I'm not on TikTok, I need to be, but I'm not on TikTok, I don't know how big social media followings get there, but as best I can tell, she has the biggest Instagram following of any athlete in college. Bigger than Spencer Rattler, bigger than Chet Holmgren, bigger than Paige Beckers, the the UConn women's basketball star, bigger, by the way, it is worth mentioning, than Trevor Lawrence. So, this girl has 1.1 million Twitter followers. Chet Holmgren, the number one high school basketball player in America, has 278,000. So Chet Holmgren has a quarter of, of the following that she does. And so does it simply turn into monetizing your social media? Because obviously Olivia Dunn probably does not have the same brand recognition that by the end of the year, DJ Uyla Ganale, the Clemson quarterback, or the Ohio State quarterback, or the Kentucky star basketball player, the Duke star basketball player. She doesn't have the same value you would think. And I'm not trying to be judgmental or say that men's sports are better than women's sports. What I'm just saying is on a national scale, you would think that the basketball players and football players would have the advantage, maybe the rare baseball player, maybe the rare women's basketball player like Paige Beckers. But again, the biggest social media followings in many cases are females in non-revenue sports. And so I'm curious, at the end of the day, when we look back at year one of the name image likeness era... Is it possible that the person who made the most money is a gymnast or a softball player or a swimmer and diver or something like that? I think it'll be fascinating. On the opposite spectrum, I'm curious how far the the non-star athlete falls. And I bring it up, and, and I hope you guys know, I'm not here to tear down anybody. Go make your money. We're all just trying to pay our bills. We're, we all got a limited amount of time on this big blue marble. Take advantage of it. Live your life. Shoot your shot. Whatever. But it, I I tend to find, as I've covered college sports more and more, the players and athletes who complain the most about, oh, the NCAA, it's so unfair. Life is so unfair. This system is corrupt. It's usually not Reggie Bush, Tim Tebow, Johnny Manziel, Zion Williamson. It's usually like the backup defensive tackle that's like, oh, how come I can't do this? And it has been interesting since we went into this name image likeness era where laws were passed. I have seen a lot of non-marquee athletes send out tweets or Instagram posts that basically say, "Hey, DMs are open. Hit me up if you want me to endorse your product." And I'm just genuinely curious to see if there is interest in those type of players. I'm not going to tear down a kid again. Shoot your shot. I shoot my shot all the time. I'm posting about Manscaped on social media all the time. I'm I'm not perfect. I'm not uh, I'm not above a uh, shilling for for a couple extra bucks. It's what we all do, but. I do find it interesting that, that you got these football players with 3,000 followers on Instagram or 3,000 followers on Twitter thinking that they're Johnny Football or Olivia Dunn or Chet Holmgren or Zion Williamson. And I'm just curious, is there a market for them? And maybe there is, by the way. Maybe the sports bar that can't afford DJ Uyla Ganale, uh, you know, maybe they go get Uh, the starting offensive line and pay them all 500 bucks for, for an autograph signing. Maybe they get the starting defensive line and bring them in for whatever. Maybe, by the way, those same players go on Cameo and there's value in their Cameo. So I don't have all the answers and I'm not claiming to have all the answers. What I'm telling you is there are big questions that nobody has the answer to and I am fascinated to find out. The final question, number five, how big and how deep does this get? And it's interesting because on Tuesday, Wednesday, excuse me, I brought up what I thought was an interesting point on social media. And what I said was this, is that everyone's focused on, oh, the NCAA, it exploits players and it exploits this and it exploits that. Well, what exactly is ball's life? What exactly is overtime? What, is, what are these companies that have made their entire company off of posting clips of high school basketball and football players. And of course, I had all the, uh, you know, the the Twitter lawyers telling me, uh, uh, well, that's called the media. That's how it works. It's like, yeah, I guess. But if I was Zion Williamson, if I was Zion Williamson and somebody wanted me to come play in their tournament and I was in high school and I had a smart business savvy sense and I knew how valuable I was and I knew every camera was going to be on me and I knew as soon as I had a great dunk that, um, that it was going to be up all over the internet, I would say I ain't coming to your event unless I get exclusivity to all of the highlights that will be posted or I get a cut of if overtime's there and they use my highlights, if ball is life is there and they use my highlights. And so, again, I had all the, 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 the Twitter lawyers tell me that, oh, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well I actually talked to real lawyers and they kind of said Torres you might be onto something there and again it goes back to the issues of signing waivers and you know is a, is a 16 year old high school kid really going to to sit there and read the fine print probably not but I'll tell you this parents are getting more and more and more business savvy more and more smart and it wasn't that long ago that we thought LeVar Ball was a lunatic for getting these big baller brand t-shirts printed up. And now look how far it's come in three or four years. And what I would continue with that thought process is, is forget overtime and ball is life. Let's take it a step further. What about, what about down the road? How soon until and this is something that my lawyer friends have brought up because again they're smarter than I am how soon until these athletes start saying stuff like well we want to cut of the NCAA tournament or, or uh, the TV revenue we want to cut of the NCAA tournament check we want to cut a ticket sales they would it would take a union it would take unionization and this isn't going to happen tomorrow but that is something to think about that is something that is not going to be too far down the road because again follow the money, when there's blood in the water, when you can smell the money, people are going to come for it, lawyers, uh, all sorts of... It, this is not going to stop with Johnny uh, Johnny Smith doing an autograph signing for 50 bucks a pop uh, down at Tuscaloosa Toyota. So I am just telling you, I'm going to be fascinated to see how far it goes. I'm going to be fascinated to see where it ends up. But what I would also say, as I kind of wrap here on the name, image, likeness stuff, is I think this is a good day for college sports. And, and you know, I, I've been all over the place on this but I've come to the conclusion that it's good. First of all, I think it's cool that these kids are starting to learn kind of business principles and business ethics while they're in college. And college at the end of the day is supposed to be an educational um, enterprise, right? And part of Going to school isn't just learning about calculus or world history or, or, or you know uh, Asian-American studies or whatever. It's learning real life applicable skills. And so when I see 18, 19, 20-year-old kids getting their own trademarks, that's something that in my early 30s I had to learn how to do. That was when they. I see guys printing up T-shirts That is something that in my early 30s, I have done and learned. And oh, you got to put money aside to get them printed up and you got to find a designer and you got to do this and you got to do that. So I think it's cool that these athletes are going to have this opportunity to learn these real life skills that they're going to take with them. Two, I think it's going to help college sports. I mean, there's so many different ways to think about it. We can think about it from the perspective of that fringe fourth, fifth round NFL draft pick that's like, you know what? I can go try to sign for $200,000 next year in the NFL, but I'm a really good college quarterback. Like, I'm Sam Ellinger. I'm going to be a fifth or sixth round pick, or I can come back and stay and make $200,000 in college football, stay for another year. Same with the basketball players. Now, you're always going to lose players. People are always going to choose professional options, but you might have guys that say, well, you know, the G League, I'm going to get a two-way contract. I'm going to make $500,000, but I can make $250,000 by staying for my junior year at Kentucky. I can make two hundred fifty thousand by staying it for my uh, sophomore year at North Carolina. That's cool. That's good. That's good for the health of college sports. It's good for college sports as it competes against these G League overtime entities in the basketball world. It's also good for the non-revenue sports. I know a lot of people are going to know who I'm talking about, but there's a girl named Sydney McLaughlin who just qualified for the Olympics. Who played? Uh, who? Who is a track? Track person? I was going to call her a track personality, but she's a sprinter. And she just qualified for the Olympics. Congratulations to her. And she basically had to leave Kentucky. She was an athlete in Kentucky because she basically said, well, I can stay at Kentucky, but I'm not gonna be able to qualify for the Olympics. I'm not gonna be able to make any money to train. I'm gonna have to be a full-time student. Instead, she leaves, she goes pro, and the rest is history. Well, now maybe that girl can stay at Kentucky. Now maybe Katie Ledecky or whatever her name is, the, the swimmer, doesn't have to feel like she has to decide whether I have, I'm gonna leave college right now to, to get endorsement opportunities while I can. You can do both. So a swimmer maybe can get a speedo deal, a a, a track and field person can get a whatever deal. And so to me, that's another reason why I'm fired up about this, because I think it'll keep more athletes in college in general. I think that's cool. And then the last thing, I just think it's fair. Listen, I told you, LeVar Ball. I've known LeVar Ball since anybody knew LeVar Ball. I knew LeVar Ball when Lonzo was a junior in high school, and he's showing me all these t-shirts, and I thought this guy was crazy. Then Lonzo gets to college. He's the biggest star in college basketball. He's probably the second or third most talked about basketball player on the planet at that point. And LeVar can't sell a a big baller t-shirt. Didn't even have Lonzo's image on it. Didn't even have his picture. It's unfair. It doesn't make sense. Again, I've said it on this show for for years now. If I can say, go to manscaped.com and use promo code Torres. that's my name, image, and likeness. There's no reason that Lonzo Ball shouldn't be able to do the same. There's no reason that... um, whoever, uh, you know, Johnny Manziel, Tim Tebow, Sam Ellinger, Kyle Trask, all of these guys should be able to do the same. But I'll tell you this, it is an interesting and unprecedented time for sure in college sports. All right, let's switch gears. Let's hit on a couple other topics very quickly before we get to my buddy Nick Coffey. Most of it is just kind of cleaning up stuff that I've talked about on recent episodes. The first piece of news, our old buddy Petty Hardaway Last episode, if you listened on Monday, I talked a ton about the possibility of Penny Hardaway potentially leaving the Memphis Tigers basketball program for the NBA. On Tuesday night, we get word that Penny Hardaway is in fact returning. Kind of an interesting little note, which we'll get into in a minute. Larry Brown, the longtime NBA head coach, who also has had three run-ins with the NCA, which again, we'll get into momentarily. He is coming on as an assistant coach. And so before we go any further, let me say this. Memphis fans, congratulations. I know Memphis fans think that I hate their program I don't. First of all, I'm actually, I love college basketball. Like, Penny Hardaway in college basketball is good for my business. He's an interesting character. I think he's actually a pretty good coach. He's a dynamic recruiter. He makes Memphis interesting. He makes the AAC more interesting. He makes college basketball more interesting. On top of that, I would also say, I never said that Penny Hardaway was definitively leaving the Orlando Magic. All I said was I heard a month ago that there was mutual interest, and when he actually interviewed I said, look, I think if they offer him the job, it feels as though he's going to take it. You don't string people along for a month. You don't let the rumors get out that you might be interested a month ago, go through that whole process, actually spend four hours interviewing for the job. And Jeff Goodman reported that it was, in fact, a four-hour interview if you're not at least interested. And so all I said was, I think if he's offered, I believe that he will seriously consider if not taking it. We don't know if he was officially offered. We don't know if he declined. We don't know if he pulled his name out of the running for it. But I also think it's worth noting that whether you like Aaron Torres or not, and now I sound like Scottie Pippen talking about myself in the third person here, but whether you like me or not, whether you like this podcast or not, whether you think I hate Memphis or not, here's the bottom line. Penny Hardaway said In the video in which he announced that he was returning to Memphis, he said essentially, and I'm paraphrasing, but this is almost an exact quote, he said, it has long been a dream for me to coach in the NBA. It has long been a dream for me to potentially coach with the Orlando Magic, but today is not the day to chase that dream. So I only bring it up to say, if you are mad at me, don't be mad at me. Your own coach said, that he one day would love to coach in the NBA and that potentially that is an avenue that he will take down the road. With that said, Penny Hardaway is coming back. As I just referenced a minute ago, it is good for college basketball. It is good for what I do. I am happy that Penny Hardaway is coming back. And I'll tell you this, I think the fact that he's bringing Larry Brown is very, very, very interesting. Now, the first part that's interesting is I do wonder if the Orlando Magic rumors really picked up steam because Memphis reportedly was not excited about bringing Larry Brown in as an assistant coach. For people who do not know why, Larry Brown, you probably remember him from the NBA. He coached with the Philadelphia 76ers, the New York Knicks, the Detroit Pistons. He won an NBA title in 04, the Charlotte Hornets, but he has also had three stints in college, UCLA, Kansas, and SMU. And in all three cases, the schools got in trouble with the NCA when he left. And so my understanding, what I had heard actually behind the grapevine or, or you know, kind of through the grapevine over the last couple of weeks is that Penny Hardaway has been trying to hire Larry Brown for a while for an, as an assistant coach. And basically the school said, we can't do that. We're in under investigation by the NCAA. Do you want to bring in a habitual rule breaker? We cannot do that. And so the possibility exists that Penny Hardaway used the leverage of an NBA opportunity to hang over Memphis's head to make sure they got that assistant coach. Now, did, they, did he definitively? I don't know, but I wouldn't put it past him because I'll tell you this. Say what you want about Penny Hardaway. He is a really smart guy. He is a really savvy guy, and he knows how to play the game. I was talking to somebody about this a few days ago, but let's never forget how Penny Hardaway got the Memphis basketball coaching job. Remember, it was about four or five years ago, Tubby Smith was the head coach at Memphis, Penny Hardaway was the prominent high school and AAU coach in Memphis, Tubby Smith could not recruit Memphis players, you need to recruit the best Memphis players in general to win at Memphis, unless your name's John Calipari, every other successful coach in Memphis history has recruited Memphis, Tubby Smith couldn't get a guy from Memphis to commit to him, you know why, because Petty Hardaway controlled all those players on his AU team, on his high school team, and he wouldn't let Tubby Smith's staff get close. I know that from somebody that was in the building at the time. And so I bring it up to say Petty Hardaway was smart. He said, I want that job. I want the Memphis job. I'm going to make sure the guy that has the job can't get any of my players, and I'm going to promise to bring all these guys with me, which is exactly what he did. So, Penny Hardaway, savvy guy. Would it surprise me if he used the Larry Brown stuff to leverage Memphis? It wouldn't surprise me at all. couple last thoughts on the Penny Hardaway stuff. One, I love, you know, I've been calling Will, Will Wade and the, the LSU Tigers the bad boys of college basketball. I think Memphis is right in the short conversation. When you hire Larry Brown, three-time NCAA rules violator, to come be your assistant coach, you kind of don't really care, especially when you're under NCAA investigation. Now, I'd flip it around and say, I don't blame Memphis or Penny Hardaway for wanting to hire Larry Brown. He is one of the single smartest basketball minds in the history of the sport. As a head coach, he has won essentially everywhere he goes, elevated SM freaking you to an NCAA tournament team you know that and that's on top of all the uh, of all the NBA stuff that he has done and so i don't blame memphis i can name one coach who was interviewing for a high profile coaching job that wanted to bring him on as an assistant and they got shot down for the same reasons and so what i'm just saying is there was a market for larry brown and there should be a market for larry brown i don't think he wants to be a head coach anymore i think he 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 enjoys being an assistant enjoys not having to make all the decisions enjoys helping the the young people that have helped him on the way up uh kind of go the other direction and I think he he enjoys that part of it and so shout out to Memphis they got one of the five best probably basketball minds in the world right now on their coaching staff what does it mean I don't know it's going to be really interesting we're going to get to Jalen Duran in a minute but I'll tell you this Penny Hardaway has a team built to make the NCAA tournament next year. Some returnees, DeAndre Williams, Lester Quinones, Landers Nolley. And in his defense, as I've said many times, by the end of last year, they were one of the 68 best teams in college basketball. Should have beaten Houston at least once, probably twice in the last week of the season. They end up losing both games. They don't have a resume to get themselves into the NCAA tournament. But he has a talented team. He did lose some guys in the portal. But he has a talented team and a team that is good enough to make the NCAA tournament. I think this is a big year. They're all his players. This is the third year in a row. You can't use being too young as an excuse like you did two years ago. This past year, it was COVID. It was weird. They were good at the end. Well, now you got a team that's probably in about the top 30 to 32, 33 teams, and that's without Jalen Duren. If you get Jalen Dern, it's a different deal. But as I said, excited that Penny Hardaway is staying in college basketball, Good for me, good for this show, good for what I do. Last little topic, uh, Jalen Dern. He is the number one high school player in America. I've talked about him a ton in the last two episodes. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, but he is the best player in the high school class of 2022. In other words, players that are going into their senior years of high school now, but it has also been reported pretty aggressively, including by my buddy Jack Pilgrim, and and I've heard this as well, that he's going to reclassify into 2021. And so he will not be playing high school basketball next year, which means he'll either be playing college, or he'll take a professional route, and all of those options are on the table. Since I last talked Monday, there have been a few updates. The most notable one, he took an official visit to Kentucky over the course of this weekend, or over the course of this week. By all accounts, it went well, and he also, uh, there was a report out on Monday that Jalen Duren will cut his list of both colleges, professional routes, whatever, to five on Friday. In terms of what I think he will do, I'll just tell you what I said the other day. I don't believe, even with Penny Hardaway coming back, that Memphis is the most likely college choice. Now, can they make a run now that they got Larry Brown? Jalen Duren has said that he, he he's choosing a place where he can best be developed. Yes, they can make a run. And I don't think it'd be terrible. I mean, you go play for a Hall of Fame co- uh, assistant coach, a former NBA All-Star as a head coach, but what I would also say is when you look at Memphis, you have to look at their roster. They are loaded in the front court. They have a ton of players. They don't have anybody exactly like Jalen Duren, but I don't know where he fits. It's a little congested there. And so to me, I don't think Memphis is the spot. I don't think there are many other colleges that have a realistic spot. I've heard Michigan may still be on the periphery, but they signed a five-star McDonald's All-American Center this year. Musa Diabite, they have Hunter Dickinson, their All-Big Ten Center, testing the NBA draft process, but he is expected to come back. And if he comes back, there's just I, I just don't see Michigan being the fit. So what I would say is, if Jalen Duran chooses college, I really do think it comes down to Miami and Kentucky. And I put out a tweet on Tuesday that got a lot of people riled up, so I want to reference that. But I think Miami actually has a stronger case than a lot of people think. I think if you just hear a kid is choosing between Miami and Kentucky, the automatic default is, well, there's no way he's going to choose Miami. But Miami does have some things going for it. First of all, I know a lot of people know but his former AAU coach, who is also from the same high school that he is, is now an assistant coach at Miami. And what Miami is essentially selling is the is the family environment. You know our assistant coach, Miami's best player, Isaiah Wong, while technically testing the draft waters, is from Philadelphia, not far from Jalen Duran. And they're basically saying a couple things. One, come here, family, you know us, you trust us, we'll take care of you. Two and this is important. This is the part. This is the part that I tweeted out that got people all riled up. Miami did have a player named Cam McGusty pull out of the NBA draft on Tuesday. Might not sound important. You've probably never heard of Cam McGusty, but the reason that that is important is as follows: is that Cam McGusty was essentially Miami's second leading scorer. Now, their second leading scorer played one or two games this year. So, Cam McGusty, Isaiah Wong are both two really good wing players that averaged about a combined thirty points per game. On top of that, Miami signed a point guard in the transfer portal named Charlie Moore, who has spent this will now be his sixth year of college basketball. But Charlie Moore from DePaul averaged 14 points, five assists per game. He's actually a pretty good college point guard, and they also have some other really talented players, a stretch five named Anthony Lawrence. But the one gaping hole that Miami has, that they have no answer for, is at the center or is at the power forward position the spot that Jalen Duran plays. Jim Laranega has gone on the record and saying we're still looking to add a frontcourt piece. And so what Miami is selling is not only are we the hometown, not only do you know us, not only have you known our assistant coach forever, but come here and you are the missing piece to a really good team, a team that I would have as a fringe top 25 team if he were to come And you can basically play as much as you want. You could play 35 minutes. You can drop 20 and 10 if you're good enough. There is no limit to what you can do statistically whatever at Miami. Keep in mind, also worth considering, we've learned in recent years that you don't have to go to Duke or Kentucky to be a high NBA draft pick. The idea that Jalen Duran's draft stock will be impacted, I don't think that will be the case. If Anthony Edwards finishing in 13th place because Tom Crean is a lousy coach did not impact his NBA draft stock, I don't think it's going to impact Jalen Duran. So, for everybody kind of saying, like, look, uh, you know, well, Jalen Duran, I mean, you know, you're going to go to Miami, and if the team stinks, it's going to hurt you. I, I just don't think that's true. As for Kentucky, I don't think Kentucky's very much in the mix. I don't know if it's 50 50. I don't know if it's 65, you know, whatever, 55 45. But Kentucky is very much in the mix. What's interesting about Kentucky, obviously their sales pitch is pretty simple, right? We're Kentucky. We know how to get guys to the league and get guys to the league ready to play. And oh, by the way, when you're in college, you're going to have a ton of success. We're going to win a ton. And you're on the biggest stage in college basketball. You are on the biggest stage in college basketball. We open against Duke. We play at Kansas. We're going to play North Carolina in neutral court. We're going to play at Michigan. We're going to play Louisville at home. And we're going to play 18 SEC games, and we're the biggest draw in the SEC. And so that is a great sell. And the other sell is, hey, you're the missing piece at Miami of being a tournament team. You might be the missing piece at Kentucky of being a national championship team. We're going to be good enough to win a national championship if you come. And so it's a great sales pitch, and it'll be interesting to see what Jalen Duran says. But on the flip side, I do have to be fair, and I do have to be honest, and I do think there is one obvious thing hurting Kentucky. It's that kind of like Memphis, as I referenced a minute ago, they got a lot of guys in the front court. They have six players on scholarship already that are basically front court players. And I know what a Kentucky fan will say we, uh, if, if he comes here, he's an instant starter and he's the best player. I don't disagree. I'm not arguing with that. But what's worth mentioning in this case is that you go to Miami, you're going to play 35 minutes a game, you're going to be the star, you're going to be the biggest thing. You come to Kentucky. Kentucky hasn't had a guy average 35 minutes per game since 2015-2016 when Jamal Murray and Tyler Euless did it. You're probably going to play 27-28 minutes. The stats aren't going to be as good, all that stuff. Now, there are counters to that. With this name image likeness coming, you're going to be able to make a lot of money off the court. And so it'll just be interesting to see. I made the analogy uh, in writing, I wrote an article about this for Kentucky Sports Radio, and in that article, I basically did say, look, th- th- there's an old episode of How I Met Your Mother, great show by the way, I know you guys are all making fun of me while you listen to this, but there's a great episode of How I Met Your Mother, it's called Rabbit or the Duck, and if you Google Rabbit or the Duck, you can see this, but there's a picture out there, and it's a, an episode of How I Met Your Mother, where you look at a picture And if you look at it from a certain angle, it looks like a rabbit. But if you look at it from a certain angle, it looks like a duck. Why does that pertain to Jayla Durand? It's because I believe that Kentucky's strongest sales pitch is also the thing that might hurt it. The strongest sales pitch is, you are the missing piece in a national championship. Come here. But then on the flip side, you're going to play way less minutes. There's a lot of competition in the front court. And you're not going to be the star that you would be at Miami. Just worth considering. Don't shoot the messenger. But I am told that it's down to those two, that both schools feel really good, and we will see what happens with Jalen Duran and his recruitment going forward. All right, that's it for this segment of the Air Torres Podcast. Uh, I don't think there's much more for me to say. You don't need to hear any more of me, so let's get to my buddy Nick Coffey. And my buddy Nick Coffey, uh, I know I say it every time he comes on, but he is a great, super talented radio host. I go on his show in Louisville all the time and Nick Coffey is a radio host in Louisville. Uh, He hosts on a station called 790KRD, and we just talk about a lot of the stuff that I just talked about. We talk about name image likeness from his perspective living in Kentucky. What does it mean for him? What does it mean for Louisville? What does it mean for Kentucky? How much money are these kids going to get? It's a fascinating conversation. I encourage you to listen to me and Nick Coffey. Now, before we before we get to Nick, I want to remind you please make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres podcast, iTunes, the Podcast Addict app, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure, make sure, please make sure you're subscribed. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go on iTunes, give us a quick five stars. Really does help the audience grow, help help the show grow, all that good stuff. And make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. I have the YouTube channel where there's some extended stuff. So like that Jalen Duran segment that I just did, I did an extended segment on that on the YouTube channel. So lots of good stuff on YouTube. But that is all for this segment of the Aaron Torres Podcast. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. I will be back on Monday. Who knows what the college sports world will look like then, how many millionaires we'll have. But let's get to my buddy Nick Coffey, 790KR all right joining me via zoom as promised my old buddy uh he used to join me every episode i say it all the time but he is here now uh, and he joins me i don't know about once a month these days just catching up on everything in the world of sports uh nice to have nick coffee you can hear him 7 to 10 eastern 790 krd in louisville Nick Coffey, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. Happy to be back. I never know exactly when
1: uh, I'm going to be asked to be a guest on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. So I just stay ready at all times. And I got the call from the bullpen uh, here recently, and I'm ready to go. Happy to
0: be here. Well, so so first of all, should we just set up? I mean, I I always feel bad asking you because, you know, you used to uh, do this show with me all the time you worked a, a midday show so your evenings were free your your mornings were free and you also only had one kid now you have two kids exactly. you're, you're you're ripping through the 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 early mornings here which makes your nights a little bit earlier so listen if you want to discuss off air a regular schedule for Nick Coffee you'd be doing me a huge favor more than anything i just don't want to inconvenience Uh, you know, the voice of of, the voice and frankly, the face of Louisville athletics. So like, I I don't want to inconvenience you more than it is. You don't, you never know when you're going to get the call from me. Well,
1: I'll say this. I have definitely become a lot more busy. I underestimated how different life is with a second child and the, the, the evenings were always best case scenario for us, but now those evenings don't last as long because again, I got to be up bright and early to get this uh, morning show started. So uh, you are not the only one who has had to make adjustments with my schedule. I don't even know what my schedule is. Sometimes I'm, I I find some free time. So do never, never hesitate to ask. Sometimes I may not be available, but if available, you know, I'm going
0: to be ready to bring it. Yeah. I was going to say, it's just like the old uh, dating days back when I was single. Sometimes I just don't get that response. Sometimes I get the text at 2am. I just never know when it's coming or how it's coming or whatever, but all right, so let's talk. So There's a lot of like little things I want to hit with you on. And it's that kind of year. It's that kind of time of year. Excuse me. I think we're all throwing stuff against the wall, trying to figure out uh, how to piece together a show. You have three hours. Uh, I have a little bit less, a lot less, but I don't have the benefit of calls and all that stuff. So, so, you know, there's a lot of topics to, to hit on. Like we're in the NBA playoffs, but are they really that interesting? We're, we're still like about a week, two weeks away from really kind of gearing up for college football. So I want to ask you, Nick. I, I want to start with what I think is kind of a huge topic. I talked about it before you came on. So name, image, likeness is July one, and and you know it's something I've talked about. And it's kind of boring to talk about solo, but for our audience, this is what we got to do. And I just feel like the last two or three weeks, you know, Mark Emmert between the Alston case, uh, you know, and then also of course uh, a number of other variables, Congress not getting involved. He kind of just threw his hands up and was like, whatever which one speaks to his leadership capabilities. But we have like a genuinely historic day coming July 1st. By the time people listen to this, it will be July 1st. I suspect Twitter, Instagram feeds are going to be filled with kids announcing, Hey, I'm working with this uh, apparel company. I have this t-shirt design. And, and, you know, maybe for the big guys, uh, you know, the Spencer Rattlers, the, the whatever's, uh, you know, best basketball players, uh, it could be uh, uh, something really big. So, What are you expecting? Is this a big topic on your show? Because I feel like this is like a legitimately historic day in college athletics. And I feel like nobody's really talking about it on the national scale. Well, I think
1: you're right nationally, but locally it has been the biggest talking point the last week because uh, the state of Kentucky, Governor Andy Beshear is one of the many governors across the country that decided to make sure, hey, even though Mark Emmert says he's going to put some temporary parameters in place. Uh, because Congress couldn't bail him out, we're not going to leave it in his court and be left at a, potentially at a disadvantage. So he had the executive order, and 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 again, other states have followed. So we are a college market. We care about college sports more than anything in this in this market. These teams, University of Louisville and the University of Kentucky, they are our pro teams, and in basketball, both teams in this state could probably really benefit from this. So this has been a huge topic, but the majority of the conversation has been talking about how we don't know what to expect because it's so new. I mean, when the clock strikes midnight on July 1st, are we going to see a bunch of tweets that are sponsored? I mean, nobody really knows what kind of money we're talking about here with these, with these, um, these student athletes. I mean, here locally, we're trying to determine which, which athlete has the most value and which will be the first to announce some kind of a partnership. I mean, there's a women's basketball player at UofL named Haley Van Lith who has Uh, a million followers on social media. She also is publicly dating Jalen Suggs. Like she's got a social media value more than anybody on the campus at Louisville. So those are the kind of conversations we're having, but we all kind of know, who knows what to expect. I mean, it's going to be wild. It's going to be messy. I just hope that a few years down the road, we don't think that we don't look back and say that this changed college athletics and it's not a good thing. Um, Even if it's not a good thing, I still think it's the right thing to do but it, it, uh, you're right. Nationally, I don't feel like people are quite aware of how this world of college athletics is about to be turned upside down. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just going to look like it never has before. In fact, I'm nerding out on reading about all these different ways they're going to be able to monetize their NIL. I mean, there are you know, companies out there that student athletes have already partnered with before July 1st to have sponsored tweets, Facebook posts, Instagram posts. I mean, I just read something earlier today that Open Doors, there's two companies, Open Doors and Altia Sports that are partnering with these schools to kind of be their official partner when it comes to helping their student athletes learn how to make money, uh, manage it for them, where it takes a lot of the, the workload off of them. But AAU teams now, Aaron, uh, the Mocan wow. elite who has produced um produced um Trey Young Trey Trey Young and Michael Porter Jr. I think I mean they've partnered with Open Doors as well so you're going to have AAU stars on the EYBL circuit or maybe the Adidas gauntlet circuit that are going to have a lot of money in their pockets because some of these not everyone but a select few of these AAU stars are celebrities online and there's value there so um it's it's been a mess um but I think it's going to lead to some really good content that's for sure and one thing (laughs) I have noticed and I don't know if you've noticed it on social media there are a lot of coaches who don't like this. They hate it. It's going to keep them up at night. It, they're going to be bothered by the fact that their players may be taking some endorsement dollars from them. I think there's a lot of reasons why they would not like it, but they have to lie. Even if you're against oh, it, yeah. you better adjust or you're going to get left behind. I, that's one of the things that stood out last week. Whenever we knew it was coming, it was inevitable. Coaches who in recent years made it quite clear they didn't like this, they're now having to just say, look, we're going to embrace it because if you don't, you got to sell your program in a new way now not just about yep. the, the success the tradition the school the location the chance to get to the pros you're now selling how much money you can make a high school player once they get to college and that's just foreign to, to in, in every in every way
0: well no and and first of all that that reminds me of the transfer stuff it was funny a year ago you know every single person I talked to in college athletics no one was in favor of the one-time transfer rule but nobody really said it publicly because they would get crushed and killed in recruiting. And then a year later, when the rule goes into place, you see everybody from Mac Brown to a bunch of basketball coaches, whatever saying, we're not actually in favor of this. I got to feel the same way. I'm kind of with you. Um, and you know, it is interesting. Like, like, I've never really been against NIL, but I will say, like, I, I do think it has some value. It's been pretty cool to, to see like Graham Mertz. And I know that's the obvious one. He's the Wisconsin quarterback. He already has like branded apparel ready to go July one. Um, and I, I like, I think for young people, it's good. Like getting a trademark, getting a published, like, you know, and and it's going to, it's a business, right. It's going to cost them money to make money in many cases. And so I'm intrigued as to how it works. I'm also just like genuinely intrigued on the flip side because I've heard, you know, from a lot of people, like exactly what you said, like the backup defensive tackle thinks, Oh my God, all these companies are in, they can't wait to get their hands on me. And it's going to be the super high profile, you know, football and men's basketball players. And then it's going to be, Let's be honest, a lot of female uh, athletes, many of them very good looking with big social media followings. I mean, there's some LSU gymnast, somebody I I looked her up the other day uh, for research purposes only. But she's got like 2.4 million followers on Instagram. And I think she has the biggest uh, social media following of of anyone in college sports right now. So that's what's going to be interesting to me. And and what I'm curious about is not a negative side effect, but I think in a lot of ways it could be a positive side effect is, you know, for years we've seen some of these kids complaining, oh, these schools make all this money off my back. And it's like, yeah, if you're Zion or Johnny Manziel, like, I do think you have a legitimate complaint. I also saw an awful lot of, uh, you know, football players with 4,000 social media followers uh, the, the last couple of days saying DMS are open, hit me up. And I don't know if there is a market for them. And so I, I'm more than There's anything, not. Yeah. That, that, that's what I'm saying. And like, you know, we would, you and I are, I think kind of more of the the real people that have real conversations about this stuff, but we would talk about this. Is It was never Johnny man's Johnny man tells me a bad example. It was never Zion that was complaining about Duke exploiting him. It was always the backup defensive tackle or, or the, the third string, uh, you know, tight end or whatever saying, oh, the school makes all this money off my back and what do I get out of it? It's like, well, you don't really make any money for the school. And so that's what I'm kind of curious about is one, does a national brand, does a Subway or Geico or whatever go to um, Spencer Rattler, go to uh, DJ Uwe Ganale and you know, offer him real, real, real money? Some people are saying it will happen, some people aren't. But then on the flip side, I'm just curious, is there value for that backup offensive tackle or is he going to be he or sh, well, not she in the case of a tackle, but uh, you know, being humbled by the process of like, wait a second. Now guys like Aaron Torres and Nick coffee have been saying for years, appreciate what you have. Cause you're really not doing much for the school. And so I'm curious from that perspective as well.
1: No, I think what you're going to see, and this is something to be mindful of you're going to have to market yourself. So if you're the backup lineman and you have 4,000 followers, there's not a ton of value there. So what are you going to do? it's going to, get your, to get, get your followers up to get you more notoriety to where somebody would want to partner with you. I mean, do you remember, this is an example of somebody who would have been able to cash in in a major way for a brief amount of time, but it would have worked. Do you remember back in 2013 when Jameis Winston was leading Florida State to a national championship, there was a ball boy who went by Red Lightning, the curly red-headed guy.
0: How could I forget?
1: Think, of, think about the buzz he had. Think about what he could have capitalized on. I get, he's not a player, but like that's a guy who doesn't play, but he would have had a big following. Somebody would have done something with that guy at that time because it made sense. He had some buzz. Uh, think about this. What if you're a walk-on for the basketball team and you never play, but you're a mob guy, like sure. sports centers putting your highlights up there after a guy does a dunk on your team and they show you because whatever you do is getting attention. Like you're going to see college athletes really try to get creative to because obviously it's not supposed to be pay for play, but the better you are, the more attention you get, the bigger following you have clearly guys who are good are going to benefit from this more than anybody because they have the notoriety. But I'm anxious to see college college athletes who kind of understand, okay, what can I do to stand out? And maybe it's not going to be a long-term lucrative thing, but how can I maybe go viral and take advantage and put some money in my pocket? That's, I'm just fascinated to see kind of how that plays out. And another thing is, you know, think about, is there a, College basketball player that entered college with more YouTube views than Zion Williamson? Probably not. Well, imagine if Zion exclusively owned the rights to his highlight dunk videos. Think about the money he could have made from monetizing that. Does that mean these AAU teams that are now partnering with these companies, do they say, okay, no shooters in the gym? We're we're we own the rights to this film because we're going to sell it and monetize it. I mean, there's all there's we could sit here from now until the end of the calendar year thinking about all the scenarios where there could be opportunities to monetize. And that gets me excited just because it's going to be interesting, but
0: it's going to be a mess too. I agree. No. And, and we'll move on to some other stuff. So you only got a few minutes here, but that, that is something that I have thought about is, you know, all of these companies ball is life over time. Uh, you know, that, that like they have made their entire living. Like, listen, we always crush the NCA. Oh my God. They make millions off of the backs of these players. What did Ball is Life do? What did, like? What, I'm, glad, what did, you it. I'm yeah. glad
1: you said it. I'm glad you said it because I've always thought that, and I know internet, internet monetization. It's part of how I keep a roof over my head, uh, and I've always thought that. that they, these guys go put on a show, and these guys who make the YouTube channels are the ones who literally that's how their company
0: exists. That's what I'm saying. So it's an interesting thing to watch going forward. Uh, I want to get some other non-name image likeness stuff. And, and, and like you said, I could talk about this for hours. Is there anything else name image likeness that you're fat? I'm just, – I'm just genuinely, like, intrigued. Like, th- we're going to air this on the morning of July 1st. I'm sure there will be activity the evening of July 1st, uh, you know, midnight on. But I'm just genuinely curious to see what this looks like. Uh, come, uh, come. I guess it would be Thursday morning. Anything else before I hit you with a few other things? The biggest
1: unknown for me is what kind of ballpark we're talking about, money-wise. And we may not know. Like if somebody's doing a commercial or a billboard or something, it may be private as far as what that went for. The only way to know is to maybe offer a player and see what, see what range they're in. That's what fascinates me. So, for example, Dennis Dodds said there's a power five starting quarterback who's already already has a national endorsement locked in, and it'll be public on july 1st but i don't know if we'll know how much that like that's just what fascinates me they're worth more there if you are the starting quarterback for oklahoma and your name is spencer rattler clearly you have a lot of value regardless of your social media but like how much that's what i don't know and i I hope we just just out of curiosity i'm anxious to see what those numbers look like if we get to see them
0: very good uh one little basketball topic and i want to talk a little tiny bit of college football but basketball topic uh our buddy penny hardaway so very interesting week for him um And it's interesting because you and I, when we were doing this show pretty much together uh, every day, like that was on the very much the ascent of Penny Hardaway. And we were like, oh, my God, this guy is going to like take over college basketball. Uh, Three years later, two NITs canceled NCAA tournament that they wouldn't have been part of. I would say the uh, the Penny NCAA trouble. NCA trouble. James Wiseman opts out. Jalen Green's going to commit and then he doesn't commit and he goes to the G League. Uh, you know, listen, I, I think Penny has been part of some unfortunate circumstances. There's been weird injuries this year. Uh, they were one of the 68 best teams by the end of the year. They should have been in Houston twice in the final week of the season and came up 0-2. They win one of those games. They're probably in the tournament. Anyway, he's back Um, and and all, you know, again, another topic I talked about a little bit before you came on, my biggest takeaway, um, you know, I was told the Orlando Magic stuff was real, uh, but I would also say that it appears to me now that he played Memphis like a drum because he wanted Larry Brown and they weren't going to sign off on it. And he pulled the old, Oh, you're not going to sign off on Larry Brown. Well, I got some other options elsewhere. So how far he would have taken it, would he have taken it if Memphis didn't sign off on Larry Brown? I don't know, but Penny Hardaway and Larry Brown, they're coming to a college basketball arena near you, Nick Coffey.
1: Yeah. The penny era thus far in Memphis has been insanely disappointing. I was somebody that thought he would get whatever player he wanted and they'd succeed. But even in years where he's had enough talent, they've been underwhelming. And I, uh, I really can't believe how bad it's actually gone. I mean, what, what's, what's the highlight of the penny era at this point, it's probably landing a commitment from James Wiseman, but you got nothing out of it and pending NCAA sanctions. And now, your big move to get people excited in Memphis is that you turn down the magic and you're bringing in a 97 year old coach <laughs> who, by the way, has led to NCAA violations at UCLA, vacating a final four at Kansas. They were banned from the tourney at SMU. They were banned from the tourney in 2016. I mean, I, I, I think it's been a, a complete disappointment thus far and I don't see it ending well because even when he's had good players, I don't feel like Memphis has been as good as they should be. Maybe Larry Brand can be the X's and O's guy and they can finally uh, get it rolling. But um, you know, Jalen Duran, obviously he's the number one player in America. And sounds like Kentucky and Memphis are the two contenders. But I mean, if if you're Jalen Duran, what what makes you think going to Penny would be a good move for you?
0: It's a question I think everybody's kind of asking themselves right now. I would say I I have heard I could be wrong on this. I think Miami's a real player for Jalen Duran, but it doesn't change the question Yeah, you're right. They are. Yeah. But it doesn't change the question that you're asked. By the way, your buddy Jim Larenega there, you you coined the the best Jim Laranaga phrase there is, the only one about him being the, the old man that gives you butterscotch candies, and you think he's a nice That's guy, right. and he's really maybe playing a little and he's bit he's got he's got Bagman. Yeah, I was gonna say he's maybe playing a little dirty waters with Will Wade and all those guys. So uh, no, and, and, and that, that's what, you know, I kind of talked about to lead the show is like, credit to him. Uh, I think he's kind of thumbing his nose at the NCA investigation. I think he's kind of thumbing his nose at um you know what what has happened so far I don't think it's a bad move bringing in one of the smartest basketball minds in the history of the sport but yeah it's it, it's been disappointing it's been weird now he's back but is there if they don't get Jalen Duran, is there really excitement they were probably their their team that's good enough to make the tournament next year but they were good enough last year they were good enough the year before and they haven't done it so uh all right last little thing before we go College football, man. I mean, you know, uh, as people listen, it'll be July 1st. We're, you know, two, three weeks away from SEC Media Day, which really kind of ramps up everything as it pertains to college football. You excited? You not excited? I mean, I personally, you and I both love the sport, but it is another one of those years where it feels like if it's anyone other than Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama, it's going to be surprising.
1: I am super excited for college football season because uh, college football is the sport where the regular season I think is the best Uh, and can't wait to bet on it. Can't wait to break down games with you. And, 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 but I'm a little, I just, this is a weird uh, comparison to make, but one, one of the reasons why I've enjoyed the NBA playoffs this year, despite all the injuries to the stars, despite big names like LeBron and KD already being out of it, it's because it's been fresh. It's been new. The Suns are new. The Hawks are new. And having something fresh has been exciting. I, I think the hierarchy of college football, to me, has been, it's, it's getting a little stale. I mean, I, I, I think we all kind of expect it's going to be Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. Oklahoma, maybe like those are going to be the teams we're talking about. And that doesn't, that doesn't, doesn't mean the season's not going to be fun to follow, but as far as storylines and intrigue, as you get set for a new season, I feel like the college football playoff expansion, the conversations about that have really kind of been the only thing that's been buzzworthy for me. It's again, it's not to say I'm not, as, not as excited, but I don't really feel like we're, we're entering a, a season where there's going to be some big programs that emerge as, as new contenders. I, I kind of think we, we're going to see what we've seen, a lot in recent years. In fact, the whole playoff expansion really led to, I think, people realizing since we've expanded just to four teams, there's really four teams that have kind of been the consistently at the top. And then nobody else really matters outside of that.
0: Well, and that was going to be my next question. But no, I agree is that, you know, it's so funny. Like we, you know, you and I are some of the few, not few people left, but we're old enough to remember when forget too like teams didn't even play like there was no playoff and so you know the BCS era happens and we think well look at all these teams that got a chance da, da 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 we got the two best teams on the field wait till we get four and it's it's weird and and that's kind of been my stance and I've talked about it on your show is for the health of college football I I do think that we have to expand because I do kind of just feel like Um, I don't feel like people are closing the gap on the Alabama Ohio State Clemson tier Uh, I think that tier is pulling away even further so it sounds like you're in favor of college football playoff expansion
1: I like the I like it at four because of what it does to the regular season sure but I've I've accepted the fact that it's going to be expanded anyway so what I've decided to do, I guess, to have an optimistic approach is to understand that this will make a lot of regular season games not as meaningful, but it will make the regular season more meaningful for a longer period of time for a lot of teams. And I think there's value in that. I also think there's value in getting more exposure to the sport. And if you've got 12 teams that get in and you've got teams from all parts of the country, that's just going to bring more Awareness to college football. You're out there on the West Coast. College football matters out there, but not as much in the South. And you're always letting people know college football, the television product is the most undervalued product out there. And I think it's because there are pockets of this country that don't have the BAMAs or the Ohio, the Ohio States or things like that. So um, I do think it's good for the sport. Uh, again, I've always preferred four, but I think- Me too. Uh, the, 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 what we need is just other, other programs to step up to the level of those top tiers. And oh. that's easier said than done. I thought Georgia was right there, but they haven't been able to punch through. Um, you know, Notre Dame has had many chances to get there and they just, they, they're they they're deserving of all their appearances in the playoff, in my opinion, but there's still clearly a big gap between them and that top elite tier. So um, I I really, I've been so consistent for years on thinking four is the right number, but I've at least now mm-hmm. been persuaded that there's, there's some value to in expanding it.
0: Well, and I would tell you, know, you say about the same teams. I mean, what was the best story in college football over the last couple of years? It was that LSU team that came out of nowhere. Now they were good the year before, but I mean, to go 15 and 0, the Joe Burrow story was incredible. And like, it was just so unexpected and, and it was so fun. And so, you know, I, I don't know, man, I, I just think I'm hoping, and I've, I've talked about this on this podcast for people that regularly listen, but you know, I, I think recruiting has become so national now that the West Coast kids feel like they have to go to Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama to compete at the highest level, Texas, increasingly, the players are leaving the big 12 footprint and going to the SEC. So I'm guessing as a whole, it will be good for the sport, uh, but I'm with you. There are some regular season games that, that, that feel like life and death now that, you know, I, I don't want to say fans aren't going to walk out of the stadium pissed off if their team loses, but I keep using the example florida last year they lost as a 24 point favorite at home in the regular season finale losing the sec championship game uh and they 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 would have made still made the playoff on, on a two-game losing streak under the 12 teams so uh nick coffee that just feels that just feels off that just that's feels what i'm saying off. like
1: that yeah yeah i'm with yeah.
0: you yeah no and that that to me is the only thing is that but, but I also don't feel like Florida fans are going to be like any less angry. So like, I, I've come to two things. It's like one, I don't like that part of it. I, I still think eight's the good number. I have no problem with eight. It's one extra game. It's not weird trying to figure out who goes where all that stuff. But um, you know, that's the only part that's weird. But then I would also say on the flip side, um, again, Is that you know? I don't think Florida fans are going to walk out of the stadium any less happy with that loss as a twenty-four point home favorite. But I know you got to run, Nick. Nick Seven, uh, Nick Coffee Seven Ninety KRD in Louisville, seven to ten Eastern Time. Nick, what do you what do you got popping these next few uh, days, weeks, months heading into football season? Because it is that time of year where it's super slow. Uh, you know, Penny Hardaway. There's a few other topics that have given us a little meat on the bone, but there hasn't been much. How you How you handling these next few weeks?
1: Well, I uh, am gonna I'm gonna clinch to the the rest of these NBA finals just because I think they've actually been pretty entertaining. But yeah, dude, the end of July and August, it's we've exhausted all angles of talking college football. So we mix it up. We've got this game we play called the Topic Lottery uh, where we, you know, it, it's some of the, some of them are like, which, uh, for example, which athlete did you pretend to be when you were playing sports when you were a kid? Shit nice. like that. We, we try to get creative. We, uh, we scrape the bottom of the barrel, but we'll get there. Uh, we've, we've gotten through the the two, two of the, there's four months, I think that are really tough for me, as far as which sports I love and care about and my audience loves too. And it's April, May, uh, sorry, May, June, July, and August. And we've gotten through half of it. So we got to get through these next two months. And there are times I hit, I hit the on button on this microphone, Aaron, and I really don't know where we're going. I just know I got three hours and I got to figure something out.
0: That's why you're you're a pro's pro. I really felt pretty good until about Memorial Day and then post Memorial Day, it's been just scrapping and clawing. And the tough thing too is, and you know this, is like it's hard to track down people this time of year. I mean, people in our business, as, as far as guests are concerned, people in our business are taking vacation. The flip side with all the recruiting stuff, you know, there's no coaches available, all that stuff. So anyway- Nick, I appreciate your time. I know you got a role. Uh, thank you. And we will, uh, we'll do this again soon, Nick. Okay, and by the way, send me your schedule and let's get you on the schedule regularly, all right? All right, man. Sounds good. Thanks for having me.